The Blevins Franks Report with Rob Kay of Blevins Franks Wealth Management. Well, it's this time on Riviera Radio where every Sunday we say hello to Rob Kay. Good morning. How are you, Rob? I'm very well, Howard. Yeah, good morning. Are you well? I am indeed. Good. It was announced this week that UK inflation hit a 40-year high of 9.1% in May, the highest it's been since 1982, the year of the Falklands War. Last week we discussed what has driven inflation up and depressed investment markets. But you also said those investment markets could be the first to recover when the measures being deployed by our governments start to filter through, which I'd like to discuss in more detail this morning. But before we discuss this potential investment opportunity, what caught your eye in the news this week? Well, Howard, the the week obviously began with the with the news that President Macron had not secured a majority in last Sunday's parliamentary election. Macron's centrist movement party won 245 seats, well short of the 289 it needed for an overall majority. Newps, an alliance of left-wing parties, emerged with 131 seats, tripling its score, while the populist right-wing national rally obtained 89 MPs, up from eight in the previous parliament. After a couple of days of licking his wounds and consulting party leaders, on Wednesday night, the 44-year-old president addressed the nation on national TV. Speaking from the Elysee Palace, Macron attempted to calm any concerns about the government grinding to a halt in the absence of an outright parliamentary majority. He urged French political parties to build what he described a German-style coalition and highlighted the fact that most European countries function without parliamentary majorities, forcing parties to build governing coalitions. Via his address, he told the French political classes that they will have to learn to govern and then to legislate differently and build new compromises through dialogue, listening and respect. He called on opposition parties to either form a coalition with his centrist movement or to vote through legislation, bill by bill. He insisted he would implement the manifesto on which he was re-elected for a second term in April, which should prove interesting because many of his pledges, notably to raise the retirement age from 62 to 65, are strongly opposed by the hard left and the right-wing parties. As we highlighted a couple of weeks ago, this week the UK woke up to picket lines and the biggest rail strike in 30 years. My colleagues in London went back to working from home, as many other people who work in London had to, um, just as they had it during the pandemic because discussions between the RMT union and Network Rail, the body that responsible for the infrastructure, failed to materialise any success. Workers downing tools, Labour MPs on picket lines, workers' marches. It all reminded me of the early 70s, when back then I was trying to do my homework by candlelight, and when the lights and power did come back on, what I have this overriding memory of is a picture of Arthur Scargill, the rebel-rousing firebrand leader of the National Union of Miners, who I think hails from, Bra- from Barnsley. Uh, in truth, I thought uh, those days had passed, but no, I turned on the UK news again this week, and there he was again. On Tuesday, the 84-year-old Scargill joined the massed rail strike um, rallies and uh, protests in solidarity with what he described as Greedian Union barons who have paralysed Britain. The rail strikes proved to be a challenge for all the folks also travelling down to Somerset for this year's Glastonbury Festival. The five days of open-air music started on Wednesday, and these days, Glastonbury seems to be attracting a different sort of person from what I read. 
Some still spend the festival living in tents and using dodgy bathroom facilities, but more seem to be attending in camper vans. And there's even a glamping site which offers spa facilities. Must be somewhere that you put on your bucket list these days, Howard. So, Rob, what's happened with the stock markets this year? And will they recover? <laughs> um, what has happened with the stock market? Uh, it's, it's probably described, probably best described as uh, as maybe a whiplash. Yeah, the markets have experienced a serious whiplash, let's say. Most of them are at least 10% down on where they started the year because, I would say, because of a combination of factors. Obviously, we have ge- geopolitical tension in Europe, which, which has caused serious fuel price increases. And we're still experiencing supply chain issues as a result of the pandemic. And as we highlighted last week, trillions have been pumped into the world's economies over the past two years. All these factors are all contributing to what investors are now having to deal with. Markets markets will recover, they always do. Although, as usual, timing the bottom or predicting how long it will take is just completely impossible to call. The reality is, if you look back historically, by the time everyone starts shouting recession, we're usually on our way out of it. It's easy to forget, but we shouldn't. Historically, investments have easily outpaced inflation, even when markets as volatile as they are now. A quick look over our shoulder tells us markets will outperform over the long term, and it's important to stick to your long-term plan, because investment markets always look forward, and they react quickly. As an investor, you need to look forward, but rather than you reacting, you need to have a plan, and stick with it. Stay the course and keep investing despite what the markets might be doing at any particular point in time. So how should investors deal with stock market volatility? Well, for for new investors, big investment market swings can be very difficult to handle. I understand that. There's a lot of uncertainty right now because of interest rate hikes, increasing property prices and everyday commodities getting just more and more expensive because of inflation. Investment markets react to these factors on a day-to-day basis. But if you have a diversified investment portfolio, which is matched to your risk profile, slow and steady will always win the race. The best performing portfolios are the ones that have the most time in the market. The most important thing is to always remember what you're investing for. We can't avoid short-term volatility. But if we have a long-term time horizon, historically stock markets go up and you need to have the discipline to stick with your plan. Every longer-term plan is affected by market conditions. Dips and corrections will happen. They can't be avoided. Our friends in the media, who continually have to write or rewrite attention-grabbing 24-hour-a-day headlines, will also turn your head with other scurry-sounding things like economic bubbles, bear markets, corrections, heaven forbid, death crosses and recessions. We also can't ignore the fact that when investment markets drop, Investors have been presented with an absolutely unique opportunity to invest. If you save some money during the recent lockdowns, now could be a good time to get that cash working harder for you. It's impossible to say if we're near the bottom. Not even the best investors in history can time the market. The best advice is stick to your plan and keep investing. Is that your top tip? Howard, even and especially when there's volatility in the stock market, the best course of action is to be aware of it, but but stick to your strategic financial plan. It's totally impossible to time the markets, as I keep saying. But historically speaking, investment markets have always recovered. You need to stay level-headed through the dips and also the peaks. 
and always remember why you're investing. Be mindful of your personal goals. I hear what you're saying about timing the markets, but I know some of our listeners will question whether they could generate better returns by choosing when to buy and sell investments. Yeah, I, I understand the sentiments, Howard. Um, after 40 years in the wealth management industry, as you as you would expect, I've experienced so many peaks and troughs, highs and lows, periods of intense volatility. I'm now firmly of the belief that the wisest investors are the ones who spend time creating a good long-term strategy, then have the discipline to stay in the market, even when it feels uncomfortable. Time has proven over and over again they have the best chance of investment success. Trying to time the market carries plenty of risks, but in my opinion, the biggest risk is the risk of missing out. Getting out of the market during a down to, downward trend to, to, to reduce risk can, can result in missing out on some of the biggest rebound days. Most people have heard about selling at the top and buying at the bottom. In my experience, seasoned investment professionals rarely get this right. There is always the temptation to stay in just that little bit longer, just to make sure and I don't jump out before it's too soon or miss out on the sudden upswing. Once you're out, it's normal to hesitate about going back in. Do the markets have further to fall? If I stay out a little longer, could I catch a bigger upswing when I get back in? A recent study officially confirmed what I've experienced over the past 40 years. If you invested £10,000 over the past 10 years and remained fully invested for the whole period, you would have seen a profit of £11,000 more than doubled your money. Now, if you missed just the best 10 days in that 10-year investment period by being out of the market, your profit would have dropped to £4,000. And if you've missed the best 30 days in that 10-year investment period, you would have actually lost 1600 Just think about it. That's just one month out of 120 months. Putting that into context, if you're out of the market for less than 1% of the whole 10-year period, and miss the best 30 days, you would have lost 16% of your original capital. Quite a sobering study, and if I needed any convincing to put to bed any doubts I had about the merits of having a strategy, they were completely overwhelmed by this, by this study, and I'm therefore completely committed these days to staying fully invested. So what about choosing which assets classes to buy? Is there a way to predict which assets class will perform best over a specific period? Um, well, un unless you know where the crystal ball shop is, I don't believe there is. In 2021, the best performing asset class was real estate equity, which returned 27%. The previous year, that asset would have actually lost you 12%. Last year, UK equities would have returned you over 18%, whereas in 2020, they would have lost you 10%. We find investors typically tend to have too much exposure to their own market, which is logical because the market you know best is the easiest to invest in. Lots of our clients are British, and when we first meet them, they frequently hold way too many UK-based investment assets. Statistics show if you have a well-diversified portfolio of investments, you'll often achieve better returns. Different asset classes or regions will perform differently, and they will vary significantly most years. The diversification that comes with this varied performance can help to produce um, the risk of having all your assets drop at the same time. By having a diversified portfolio covering a range of regions and asset classes, you'll get better returns over a period of time, and importantly, with much less volatility. Investment markets are continually evolving. 
We believe we all need a solution that's dynamically managed. The asset classes that are the best performers one year are frequently the worst the following year. Trying to predict the winner is like trying to pick the three o'clock at Ascot. And even the bookies can't get that right. So for people who are already fully invested and those who have capital to invest, do you have any other advice for investing in today's world? Well, we, we spoke a little earlier about avoiding overexposure to specific asset classes and having a diversified portfolio. I would also recommend you don't put all your faith in star fund managers or star funds. Just like asset classes, the best fund managers one year can easily be the worst the following year. Across the world, there are hundreds of available funds from a very long list of different managers. For example, the, all share, the UK all, all companies sector contains over 200 funds. Many of them appear at first view to offer similar investment opportunities, but the performance difference has been and can be really quite dramatic. Earlier we spoke about a 10-year investment period. If we look at that same period and specifically at the UK all company sector, the difference between the best and worst performing fund is dramatic, just to say the least. If you invested £10,000 in the best performing UK fund, your investment would have ended the 10-year period being worth £48,000. Now, if you invested in the worst performing UK fund, it would have been worth a measly £11,000. If we look at the global picture, performance differences are even more dramatic. The best performing global equity fund would have turned £10,000 into £74,000. Had you invested in the worst performing fund, your investment would have been worth 20000 at the end of the same period. Those two figures are poles apart, but to put some investment performance into context, if you'd left that cash sitting in a cash deposit over the same period, your £10,000 would have appreciated to just £10,400. That's just 4% over the whole 10-year period. If it's time in the market, not timing the market, switch counts, is it still important to review your portfolio from time to time? Um... I hope that what I've been able to communicate this morning, Howard, is that ultimately a long-term diversified investment approach is vital to help protect and grow your capital, whatever the economic climate. While a keep calm and stay invested approach gives the best overall results, you need to make sure you, you still regularly review your strategic financial planning. We sit down with our clients at least once a year or more frequently, especially if circumstances change to ensure their arrangements continue to meet their financial goals. If you haven't sat down to discuss your investment requirements or um, how the last couple of years has affected your overall strategic financial planning, maybe you've discovered your UK advisor is no longer able to advise you because they can't passport their services into Europe. Whatever the reason, if you want to talk about finance, give Blemings Franks a call and speak to one of our locally based advisors. The telephone number of our local French office is 0493 001780 that's 0493001780 or alternatively if our Monaco office is more convenient for you you can call our Monaco office and their telephone number here in Monaco is 97775574 that's 97775574 and as we say every week and we have been doing for many years now, Howard. If you prefer, you can find out more about Blevins Franks or arrange a meeting with one of our Blevins Franks partners by simply visiting our website, which is www.blevinsfranks.com. Many thanks, Rob. We'll talk again next Sunday morning.
Look forward to it, Harry. Have a great week. The Blevins Franks Report. If you would like more information on any of the topics discussed in this program, contact your local Blevins Franks office on 0493001780 or Riviera at BlevinsFranks.com. Take control of your financial security in retirement. Recent months have reminded us how inflation can reduce our spending power. Over time, it can have a major impact. Will your pension funds keep pace with the rising cost of living? Blevins Franks is authorised to provide regulated advice on UK pensions. Talk to us about the opportunities for expatriates and gaining more control over income and growth potential. Take steps today to protect your long-term savings and income. Visit blevinsfranks.com.